Ladies and gentlemen, and others, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lay. And what we do on each episode is we focus on one book, one title, that deals with music history, music biography, be a music memoir, or even a fictional book with a musician or a composer as a fictional character. And today, we have a very exciting episode. It's on the band Suicide, and the name of the book is Suicide. <laughs> Sounds ominous already. By Andy Coulter, published by 33 and a third books, Bloomsbury Academic, and it's Suicide. Um, what can you say after suicide? <laughs> suicide is sort of the end, right? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, that's I guess that's part of the fun is they uh, they are starting from the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought it was all over. Yes. Suicide comes with their full throttle assault. But we should explain who is suicide first. Uh, okay. I think. I'm going to presume our listeners know who they are because they're a very sophisticated group of uh, people. This is true. This is true. My, you know, what I know. I mean, I haven't met each person yet. But, um, <laughs> All three of our listeners. <laughs> yes. But they seem to be bright people and they seem to be aware culturally what's around them in the past. But suicide is a duel, which means a two men, two person. These are two men band. Uh-huh. And uh, they're very, very, very unique. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. Probably one of the most unique. Groundbreaking, yeah. Yes, they're groundbreaking. And, you know, it wasn't until I read this book by Andy Coulter that I actually heard an entire Suicide album. Okay, you know, it's funny because I've started listening to them only in the last couple of years, and I know you and I have never discussed them. So no. when I saw this book come out, I was excited to read it, and I was like, I don't know if Tosh is like suicide, although I, I was like, how could Tosh not like suicide? <laughs> this is so up your alley. <laughs> yeah, but, suicide, um, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, so I was, uh, I thought that was interesting because, I mean, you and I have known each other for over 30 years and I don't recall ever discussing uh, this band or Alan Vega or anything related to it before. You know, but by passing, it's very interesting. Um, If somebody played me a suicide record Uh and don't tell me who it was, I said, oh, this is suicide. Yes, because you're just about them. Yeah, because I know about them, but also I know their sound. Um, yeah. I, I I want to say very well I know their sound, but the fact is I know the, their 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 essence. Right. Um, I mean, I probably only heard like you know three minutes or like a minute of, of a song by them. Uh-huh. It's such a strong um, presence or such a strong identity. Mm-hmm. Suicide doesn't sound like any other band, really. No, no, they're very unique for sure. And their uniqueness is that it's well. It's a, you know, there's sort of a, um, they've been described in the book as techno, electronic, mm-hmm. punk, post-punk, mm-hmm. no wave, mm-hmm. industrial, mm-hmm. and psychobilly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I would say all of those apply. And that is the essence of suicide. Yeah, that's part of their brilliance. Yeah. So, sure. ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, we'll hope to see you. Next week. 
<laughs> always the kidder. Always the kidder. <laughs> um, this book by Andy Coulter mm-hmm. um, is a really, really, I think it's a really, really good book. Yeah, it's a lot um, of fun. She takes a very different approach to the other uh, 33 and a third books and that uh, she does it in a narrative format, yeah. um, sort of, it feels like fiction. And yeah. she's very upfront yeah. about that in the beginning, uh, saying that uh, she's not going to get into the uh, nitty gritty of the details. And she feels that, you know, she she really totally commits to the idea of mythologizing the band. Um, she's sort of got a fuck it if it's apocryphal attitude. And um, I totally agree with her, you know, because yeah. you know, we know we have now read a lot of memoirs and biographies, you know, at this mm-hmm. point, of course. Mm-hmm. And the ones that tend to be good or really readable are the ones that do talk about the myth, the mythology exactly. of that music or that musician. Exactly. Uh, the nuts and bolts issue is not that interesting usually. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, she talks about how, um, you know, the, the essence of this band is sort of like, why would you even bother with that? And, you know, it's interesting because I don't think this is a band that you could ever sort of get the nuts and bolts and details of the truth, because even if Alan Vega was still alive, I mean, apparently he lied about his age and told people he was 10 years younger and nobody knew until he died. So, you know, there is no reliable source uh, to get to the truth. And, you know, what's the point? So so suicide is two guys, two Mm -hmm. men. Uh Uh, One is Alan Vega, who's the lead singer. And I'm going to presume the lyricist, Mm -hmm. uh, who's also a artist, a visual artist. Right. Um, with some success as well as a yeah. artist. Uh, he was with some major art dealers yeah. throughout his life. Yes. And then the other guy is Martin Reb or Marty Reb, who does the music. Mm-hmm. And the music he does, he's an interesting person. He is a trained musician. Right. Uh, a jazz pianist. Um, studying music officially and unofficially. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to Suicide, that trained musicianship thing does not come first in mind when you listen to Suicide. No, it's pretty raw, that's for sure. Yeah, but tell you, if you listen to it like over and over again, because really when your first impression is really like, like really minimal electronics. Yeah. Not like really synthesizer or a Moog, it's really like electronic sounding, you know, like this vintage old machine parts that make a noise. Right. I mean, industrial, I think, is one of the better. Industrial, yeah. And you got the feeling that, you know, he built this equipment himself and, you know, this founded in junk shops and and he just knew how to, you know, wire it together and and, and make some type of noise out of it. Right. So it's very, in a way, sort of like um, musique concrete, in a way, Mm -hmm. but like electronic noise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's like a rhythm box, I guess, they got. And um, so it's very much, it is electronic. I mean, it's very much electronic sound. Right. But what makes Suicide unique is not just the electronic sound, but it's also um, through Alan Vega, he has sort of a Roy Orbison Elvis 50s identity of sort. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like, so the song, so they're songs and they are songs. They're not like music pieces. They're not classical music, electronic, you know, music. Yeah, no, I would definitely say there's a bit of pop music going there. There's some, there's some catchiness to them. They're yeah. dark, but it's definitely hummable. And, you know, to me, when I listen to them, um, yeah. it's obviously they're from the New York area. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we're here. Do you know they're not from? Uh, you know, they're not from uh, Arizona. The Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not from Los Angeles for sure, where we are from. Where, where we yeah, now. yeah. There's no sunshine to this music. There's no Los Angeles anything. <laughs> so it has to be like Manhattan, like 1977. You know, 1975, right. 1977. Um, they are one of the many bands and artists that from the you know so-called punk. Uh, New York punk era, um, right. along with Television and Talking Heads. And but they were one of the earlier bands. It was interesting. I mean, their first yeah. album came out in 77, but they actually formed in 1970. So they had been around for quite a while. Well, they've been around since the New York Dolls. Yeah, yeah. Because she talks about when they played the Mercer Arts Center yeah. in a separate room from the New York Dolls and how everybody had to exit through that room. And they would kind of watch the band for a bit and be appalled and leave very quickly. <laughs> now, why the band is, is appalling? <laughs> um, yeah. Suicide, appalling. Basically, they're, they were very loud mm -hmm. uh, and very much in your face. I mean, when you listen to the album, the album is even in your face. It's a very, like, direct. It's an assault. It's assault. Just say and, what it is. Yeah. It's an and assault. Alan Vega assaulted his audience. Yes. And it seems like the more violent the audience get or more upset, the more happy he becomes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, she talks a lot about that. And I think it's it's really interesting that, you know, his whole ethos was that he wanted to make the audience part of the show. Yeah. Um, you know, she mentions, uh, you know, Auto's uh, Theater of Cruelty. Yeah. And, um, and how much he was also influenced by Iggy Pop and how, you know, he was very aggressively, you know, integrating the audience to a certain yeah. degree as well. Um, so yeah, that was a big part of the book. And I think it's, um, very interesting how she talked about that and how, how important that was to him. And I think that, um, what's interesting too, is that when you think about, you know, he was so, he didn't want to have a passive audience, but yep. then when you think about a recorded, uh, a record, I mean, that just by definition is a passive audience. Yeah. So how do you take this band? that is very much all about the live performance and put that on record. And I mean, I think they did it very successfully, but it is a completely different thing, I suspect. I've never seen Suicide. No. So, but, uh, Another remarkable thing about this about this book is her writing about being in the actual audience of a yeah. Suicide show. Um, yeah. Wait, was she ever actually in it? Did she actually saw suicide yeah she did see they did like a reunion tour i think in okay these or she, she talked about she did um go see them so her, her description of a suicide show in a club or concert is very i mean as a reader you feel like you're you're there yeah her writing style is very evocative it's very cinematic um she's definitely sort of channeling the you know old school noir detective novelists, you know, Chandler and Hammett, mm -hmm. you know, she's really leaning into the seedy underbelly side of things and celebrating the anti-hero and, you know, yeah. she's having but a she, lot of fun with it. You can tell that she's having fun writing this book. But, but by no means is she pretentious, though. It's not a oh, no, 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 not at all. No, yeah. it's more like she's having fun. I think but her, her description of uh, going to a show, a suicide show, and being, in, um, you know, being a member of the audience, uh -huh. It's one of the best things ever read about being in an audience scene. Somewhere. Yeah, she definitely captures the visceral feel yeah. of it. Yeah, because I got it. You know, just through her description, 
Mm-mm. I got I, I I got and I could feel suicide just by her writing. Right, right. You got a really good sense of what it was like, especially when she described one of the early shows where uh, uh, Vega went up to a couple sitting at a table and pulled a knife out on them. And yeah. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. I mean, especially if you had no idea what the band was like, um, you know, who is this crazy person? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I mean, obviously he never hurt anybody. Uh, he hurt himself, but he never hurt anybody in the audience. But no. uh, he was menacing, it sounds, yeah. you know. He actually he actually enjoyed doing this. Yes. He actually, you know, he started rock and roll riots. He, has, he started real riots and he was very happy. Yeah. He had no problem with it. The, the more violent the audience, the more he smiled. On the <laughs> right, right, right. Back to the theater of cruelty thing. Yeah. yeah. And her, her description of the, you know, this type of show was, was very specific and very, um, I really feel like part of the, you know, I feel like I was there with her watching the yeah. show. Yeah, she did a good job of it. And uh, mm-hmm. she did an interesting sort of Rashomon kind of thing where some of the shows she uh, told it from different perspectives of different audience members. Yeah. And, uh, and she wouldn't reveal who it was until sort of near the end. But yeah. it was uh, usually somebody kind of famous, well-known. Um, yeah. Like, like so. the guy, uh, Bobby Galipsy. Oh, shoot, I forgot his last name. But he's in Primal Scream. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he, he was one of those people that sort of anonymous who went to, you know, saw, right, right. saw them. And then, you know, and then he eventually, just before he joined up uh, uh, Jesus and the Mary Chain. Uh, do you know Jesus and the Mary Chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love them. It's very interesting. I think, I think you and I saw them at Santa Monica. Oh, oh well, that was you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah where they you. did one of their infamous 20-minute sets. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Obviously, now yeah. I know this. It's obviously influenced by suicide. Sure, yeah. You know, the 20-minute set just to piss the audience off. <laughs> uh, also, uh, comparing um, Jesus and Mary Chain is this sort of the, the look, this is interesting, the, the noise that Jesus and Mary Chain makes. If you don't, if, no, if, the, if the listener doesn't know the band, which again, yeah. I think you, I think the art listeners do know because they are such a sophisticated audience that we have. Of course. But just in case, you know, <laughs> Mary Chain are, is basically a pop band that uses a lot of feedback guitar noise, right? And the melody, and, the, and usually it's like sort of like pretty ballads almost, but it's like you're confronted by noise, you know, the very surface. And then as you dig into the music more, then you get into like the melody, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like, um. It's like an ice cream sundae or something where you where you want to get to the syrup of, of you know the bottom right. you have to go through a lot of flavors and, and textures before you get to that mm-hmm. and jesus and mary chain always struck me as a band it's the, that's that, that's their appeal you have to really work at it to get to the sort of the beautiful melodies of their songs uh-huh. and, and i think maybe my bloody valentine uh what i've heard of my bloody valentine has that sort of same appeal where they, their music is actually quite pretty but you're having you're hearing this this incredible loud you know you know guitars and it's just, it's 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 really confront you know it really confronts the listener yeah and yeah. suicide i think are probably the first i can't not the first band because there's always somebody else before somebody else right, right but suicide right. is probably one of the most acknowledged first bands that approach music in, in that in that way where it's very confrontational yeah because when I listen to you know when I listen to Suicide, I you know I, I'm confronted by the the minimalism mm-hmm. uh, and sort of the harshness of the lyrics. You know, like Frankie Teardrop is about a uh, 
a working stiff who ends up killing his family just out of right. frustration and despair. But when I listen to suicide, you know, I hear like I hear like elements of doo wop, fifties mm-hmm. rock, um, and sometimes like the orchestrated like Phil Spector music. But you know, like the melodies of Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus and Mary Chain has like a Phil Spector melody thing going too, like "Be My Baby." You know, right? Yeah. They they have that element in their in the in this sort of collection of noise they make. Right. And suicide does as well, and it's very interesting. That one of the one of the big fans of suicide is Mr. Bruce Springsteen. I know, I know. That was that one kind of surprised me. But then when she mentioned that song "Straight uh, State Trooper," I was like, "Oh yeah, that's so suicide influenced." And I actually listened to that song the other day. Nebraska is pretty much the only album I can manage to get through of Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. Respect yeah. it, but I'm just not. It's not my thing. But uh, yeah, I was listening to State Trooper, and he totally uh, he does that Alan Vega Yelp, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. But yeah, he's on record as being a fan. Yes, and Springsteen, I think, covers um, "Dream Baby Dream." Is that the name of the song? Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he, he in his live show he does that song. Oh, okay. To this day, apparently, to this day, he still does that song. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he's been doing it for like decades. <laughs> all right, so he's got good taste. But, you know, the thing is, in reality, though, at first you think Bruce Springsteen, well, that's one end of the room, you know, far side of the suicide. But in actuality, um, to me, they share a certain aesthetic. There's like a sort of a New York, New Jersey, you know, very like East, you know, East Coast city Mm -hmm. vibe that's very, and again, the sort of like a reflection on um, early rock and roll. Right, right. Uh, well, no, and again, they, they both celebrate the anti-hero. You know? Anti, yeah. So there's a lot of actually strong connections between the two. Right. And suicide struck me as always as a, um, well, not always, but they struck me as a um, very much rooted. I mean, that's what makes them unique is there. there's no guitars, there's no drums, there's no bass player. Yeah. It's this electronic noise with a drum machine. Right, it's just two and, guys. And, just and, and, and uh, Alan Vega is sort of doing this sort of, Psychobilly, rockabilly, uh-huh. um, uh, type of vocal style, uh, and was very sort of minimal lyrics. I mean, he he he's a very good writer. He he writes. He doesn't wait. He doesn't give too many words. He just gives the essence. In that way, he's very much like Iggy, of the original Stooges time. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like the, I want to be your dog. You know, right? No fun. <laughs> no fun, babe. No fun. <laughs> you know, it's like a Zen thing almost. It's like you don't have to yes. do more than that. Right, right. And the, and the Stooges were very confrontational as well, and the early Stooges and yeah. the performance. And there's always a sense of danger and violence, imminent violence. Stooges influence suicide, which is stated in the book, you know. Yeah. yeah. And also, I would think, in a way, like the Cramps would be almost in the same school as. Um, oh yeah, definitely. As suicide as well. What's yeah, interesting yeah. is is the New York Dolls. And suicide. They actually have a relationship. Um, yeah. One, they share a manager, um, mm-hmm. uh, Marty Thal, I believe his name is. Interesting mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. who managed the New York Dolls uh, and then ended up managing suicide. He sort of specialized in bands or artists that it is un- unmanageable. <laughs> right. <laughs> he likes to make things hard for himself. <laughs> Here's a guy for the lost cause. He almost, <laughs> he almost managed Blondie. 
They sort of gave up Blondie for Right, right, right. So, you know, basically, if he wants to manage you, she will almost take that as an insult because it, yes. <laughs> it means you're going to fail. Means it means the manager, Marty Thaw, was suicidal or, <laughs> or he, he's just a champion of lost causes. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, somebody's got to do it. Thank God. It's very interesting, you know, like but the connection between the New York Dolls, who I think are brilliant. Of course. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're like rock, they're like rock and roll genius level. Yes, yes. I mean, their songs, everything, uh -huh. look, everything. And Suicide um, are geniuses as well. They're like, they're definitely like, you know, they both, the Dolls and Suicide share a, a certain culture of confrontation and be shocking at the time. Mm -hmm. They're very rooted in the music past. I mean, Suicide is very rooted in, in rock and roll as well as the New York Dolls, obviously. Right. All the same type of music. I think we listen to the same music. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so it's, you know. Similar influences for sure. Yeah, so it's a very interesting, to me, a very interesting relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if you've listened to any of Alan Vegas solo stuff, but he does I have it. more uh, rockabilly and, and uh, more Is it guitars? Uh, yeah, I think so. I know you made a record with Al Hilton, right? Yeah, that's a good record. That was, I think, what initially finally got me into exploring uh, his work. Was that? Because you know, yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't heard it yet. Um, uh, but, you can stream it. It's easy. Yeah. To online. Yeah. So it's Alan Vega singing lead. I mean, is that is Al Hilton singing, or is this Al Hilton playing guitar? And um, I think they kind of switch around. It's oh, really? it's Chilton oh. and Vega. And Ben Vaughn, who I'm not really very familiar right. with, uh -huh. I know his name, but I don't, I don't know his work. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's good. I mean, I haven't listened to it in a while. I mean, I listened to a few songs the other night, but I hadn't listened to it in a couple of years. Oh. Um, but it's easy to find online, and it's definitely worth tracking down, especially and, if you're a fan of any one of those three. Right. And Suicide is actually kind of political in the sense that they're not like explicit politically. But they definitely came from like the anti-Vietnam War era. Mm -hmm. What's well, interesting because she opens the book with a really uh, vibrant description of New York in the early seventies. Yeah, and that's when New York was just kind of a disaster. You uh -huh. know, it was uh, it was on the verge of bankruptcy, and uh, Son of Sam was loose, and you know they had the major power outage, and just like everything that could possibly be wrong in New York was wrong so she kind of uh, that's how she sets the stage that's how she opens the book is describing new york uh, when the band was just beginning um so you know it's kind of interesting the parallels of you know what they came out of now isn't that interesting that new york was was at its worst it was a dangerous city mm -hmm. you literally can die as walking you know there's a 50 50 chance that you may die <laughs> right so, uh, right just from a mugging or something <laughs> from yeah. something uh, yeah. The economy was terrible, ruined, you know, buildings, structures, burnt right, out. Right, right. The Bronx was burning. So you go for it. You want to go for a night of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. You a girlfriend or boyfriend. And you go see, what's the band called? Suicide. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that, too. It was like, what? A masochistic group of people. <laughs> now, New York, at least the New York Dolls have a sense of glamour. Right, right. They dress up. They're <laughs> they satin and silk. <laughs> I mean, they do confront their audience in a certain yeah, way, but but yeah. they're still but they're basically they're a rock and roll band that dresses uh -huh. up, gives a show. Right. And you know, and then all the other band, Ramones, even in that way. You know, I mean, intelligent. I mean, it's music stuff. But yeah. For that era, with so much bleakness. Yeah. So much depression. Mm -hmm. You actually go 
into another, you go into a club to see something that will confront your depression, your misery, and that's suicide. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was thinking about that too. I mean, it's interesting. And what's especially interesting is that clearly these, these are, this is a hardened audience. This is a cynical audience. This is, mm-hmm. you know, they've seen it all. And yeah. yet they're still provoked by suicide. Suicide can still manage to provoke. Yeah. Despite the fact that their audience is. Well, so suicide's is interesting because, okay, they're, they're between like the New York Dolls and the punk era, you know. Right. Uh, like me and punk era, I mean the Ramones, Richard Hill, Television, yeah. Blondie, yeah. so forth. And then they're around during the no New York scene, like James White in the Blacks with Contortions, uh, right. DNA, uh, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks, you know, Lydia Lunch. Right. Um, and definitely suicide could fit into that world easily. Yeah. That they're somehow they're they're very much outside of their their environment. Yeah, they were always outsiders, it seems. I could be wrong, but I don't recall suicide being mentioned in the book Please uh you know, please kill me. Um I Are think they mentioned that? Yeah, I think she says there's some mention of them, but it's a little bit uh dismissive as well. Okay. Well, may have, may, maybe it wasn't they didn't get a lot of space for sure. Okay, yeah. Much respect. Which is kind of surprising actually. Yeah, I, I thought people in the know were into them, but um, yeah, like I said, I, I mean, I I didn't really get into them until a few years ago, despite you know liking almost all of the stuff out of New York at that era. I think yeah, they're very me too. You know, it's funny I didn't pick up on suicide, like I didn't. You know, I pretty much bought every New York punk rock record when it came out in seventy six, seventy seven. Right. But I didn't purchase the suicide record. Yeah, I, just, see, I wonder I, why. I, Nobody knew who they were. Even they were just so terribly underground, I guess. And maybe they focused more on Europe. I mean, she talks a lot about them touring in Europe and uh, the reaction they got over there. Yeah, I don't think they did much here beyond New York and Boston. I don't know. Did they tour the U.S.? I don't think so. Yeah, she doesn't talk. <laughs> she talks a lot more about their New York shows and um, Europe Boston show and Europe. Yeah. yeah. But I don't have any memory of people like really praising like suicide. Yeah, I mean, either. So either they were disrespected or people didn't know about them or there was like too, too much or something. There's something, you know, it just didn't fit into the world of what we knew of as the, you know, the New York punk scene. Right. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, now listening to Suicide, the album and this, you know, looking back, I don't know why I didn't hear them. Yeah, this is so like a band that you would like. When I said to you, do you want to do this book? I, I had no idea, but I'm like, I, there's no way Tosh doesn't like suicide. And not only that, but even Bruce Springsteen is more open than I am. Yeah, yeah, really. He's hipper than us. <laughs> Way hipper than me. We should probably also sort of talk a bit about how she uh, frames the book uh, sort of with using this ghostwriter comic. Now, it was interesting. Yeah. She talks about people thought that the band named themselves after the comic book. I guess there's something about suicide in one of the, the comic yeah. books, a character or something. But um, apparently the band named themselves before the comic strip actually came into existence. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming the song was named after the comic, but yeah. uh, uh, not the band. So that was interesting. But she, uh, each chapter, she sort of has a little intro that kind of talks about the uh, sort of little allegorical kind of intro to frame the the chapter that's from the Ghost Rider comic. Yeah, which I never, have you read Ghost Rider? No, I'm not a big comic strip person, so I'm not that familiar. I used to be, but I gave it up. 
Um, right. So, well, yeah. You, yeah. When the comic strip came out in '72, so you were already. I don't think I was like, reading comics at that time. Yeah, yeah, um, you were a little too old for comics. But, but Ghost Ride, um, but Alan Vega apparently is a was a huge comic book fan. Right. So yeah, there is some there is some weird duality, like what influenced what. Um, so wait, he he didn't write this. He didn't write the song Ghost Rider. They didn't write the song Ghost Rider before the comic, right? Or is that clear? I can't remember. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. And we should make it clear to people because it was interesting. I was looking at some of the Goodreads reviews of the book, and people were, seemed a little bit upset about the fact that well, I don't know what's true and what's not true. And and uh, she does write this very much as a almost fictional narrative, um, but you kind of have to go with it. Um, yeah, I have no, I, I, we don't have any problem with that. No, no, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I don't recall, I mean, you know, there's a couple different approaches that people take to these 33 and a third books. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of them that's, it's a super personal approach. Some of them it's a very, uh, you know, they get to into the nuts and bolts of the recording of the album yeah. or the history of the album. She just goes in a whole new direction. I can't recall her ever reading a 33 and a third like this. So that was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun the way she approached it. Yeah, I agree. Because she didn't approach it as a biographer or she didn't yeah. want to do that at all. And she wrote a, right. she, her introduction talks about what she did not want to do. Yeah. And I mean, she makes the point that, you know, yeah. even uh, documentaries are, you know, constructions. And, yeah. you know, it's true. It's like everything is, uh, it's all a little bit uh, sketchy. <laughs> And she feels suicide cannot be contained in a narrative like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're writing about suicide, you're going against the grain. You're, you know, she yeah. feels like you can't use some old approach like a biographer or, or academic paper of some sort on suicide because right. that. And we is, should mention she's an academic, yeah. <laughs> like so many of the thirty-three and a third yeah. writers. <laughs> but she realized that she can't approach suicide the band that way because they right. that's not what they are or who they are. No. So her approach is very, um, I think, it was very correct and very right. Yeah, it's very in line with the mythology of the band and, and yeah. the way they they promoted themselves. I think that's how they saw themselves. Yeah. They weren't interested in, in any kind of facts and figures. They were much no. more interested in the persona and the mythology. Yes, exactly. So, it's a very fun read. Highly recommend it. Uh, and if you don't know about suicide, uh, this is a good place to start for sure. Uh, for me, it was. I mean, you know, I, I again, it's funny. I, if somebody plays me a record, says, "Do you know who this is?" I'll say, "Oh, it's suicide." Uh -huh. I, I know her voice, and I know the minimal keyboard, you know, noise thing. Yeah, that I never actually heard like a, at the time, uh, as of three days ago or four days ago, I never actually heard an entire suicide song. I just heard like wow. snippets. But All right, so you're gonna go buy the record now? I absolutely yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's, yeah. it's a great album. Yeah, oh, I love it. It's such a good record. And it goes fast too. It's like a really, I mean, there's like only seven I know, despite the what, how long is uh, Frankie Teardrop? It's like eight, nine minutes long. 10 minutes, I think, yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's but, funny. A lot of people talk about how they can't really listen to that song more than once. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, you have to be in the right frame of mind to listen to that album. But Well, there's a thing about it, you know, we, I, you know I, I listened to it so far three times. Yeah, I've listened to it a lot, quite and, a lot. The first time you're you're sort of focused on the story, the narrative of Frankie right. and teardrop, uh -huh. um, and then you know and he does these wild, crazy screams that sort of you know definitely wakes you up or 
Right, right. Now, yes. But then, Stop music listening before you go to no. bed, that's for sure. <laughs> but, but maybe like the last three or four minutes, the, the sound is so dense. It's like there's a lot of like voices mixed in. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of things happening sound-wise, that song. You know, there's it's not yeah. like this straight. There's something else happening there. It's, it's, it's very textured. It's very layered of right. different type of sounds and noise. And that's what draws me into, you know, listening to it again and again, you know. Yeah. I keep hearing, like, do I hear voices in the mix? Like, really faint voices in the mix, you know? Maybe, maybe the characters of the story he's telling, you know, I don't know. But it's just, yeah. um, you know, it's... All their songs move. You know, it's it is like the Stooges that it's very like in your face. It's rock, you know, it's rock and roll, mm -hmm, it's and, and it's catchy. Right. It's very minimal. You know, it's not a lot of like wasted notes or space, mm -hmm. either lyrically or music wise. Right. Except for the density of like say like the Stooges guitar playing or you know just the sound of the band itself, you can just get into. Yeah. And Suicide, I think, is also at first listen is very minimal. And very, you know, I don't want to use the word simple, but it's very direct and it's very minimal. But it, repeated listenings, you hear different things, you know, more like melodies come out more. And again, yeah. the whole sort of Phil Spector school of pop songwriting is there. It's just buried underneath the minimalism and mm -hmm. Alan Vega's, you know, performance. It's, it's, it's a very remarkable record. Yeah. Great album. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good to see that they're uh, perhaps getting their due finally. Yeah. They've got um, a book. Yes. And their album, the first album was re-released uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And, they, and Henry Rollins is like a mega fan. He actually right. sort of, he's like the spokesperson for the Alan Vega. For the family. Or, or, yeah. Or, or family, yeah. Yeah, I actually read an article in the New York Times when I Googled Alan Vega. Mm -hmm. uh, about a year after he died, there was an exhibit of his artwork. Yeah. Um, in New York. So, I mean, his artwork is still, uh, it's, it, he had a separate art career. I mean, I think that was really more his, he spent more time as an artist than a musician. Yeah, um, Suicide lasted, I guess, to his death in a way, but they only made maybe officially three or four records. For yeah. You know, we're talking yeah, about, they would like break up and get back together, make a record break. Yeah, up. there's more solo work from both of them than actually yeah. Suicide album. All right. Suicide. Suicide. And from Suicide, we are going to go on our next one to Sweet Dreams. From Club Culture to Style Culture, the story of the New Romantics by Dylan Jones. Yes. Who, uh, also wrote David Bowie, A Life. And they're both oral histories. Yes. Uh, complete left turn for us, but you know, our audience knows that's what we like. We go from Wagner to New Romantics. Well, wait, New Romantics and Wagner is pretty much the same, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, Wagner is pretty new romantic when you come back. To <laughs> yeah, we, 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 go from Tom, we go from Thomas Mann to Wagner to uh, New Romantics to Suicide and Blue Reed. Yeah. Got to keep a good mix going. Yeah. So that's what we'll be doing on our next show. And uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for all the latest news. And we have playlists to accompany all of our episodes, um, both on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can find links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. So thank you so much yes. for listening. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.